<coughs> hey, we are, um, we are almost to the end. We still have a few more parts, but we're still talking about the Apostles' Creed. Um, and we're, we're getting ready to head into a, a, a fun part. Um, uh, there will be some, we'll do a little bit of, uh, a little bit of word etymology, um, which I know everybody's super excited about. Um, that's what everybody gets excited about on Sunday mornings. But uh, before we read the Apostles' Creed together, I want to share a little bit of a story. Um, uh, I heard this story through the grapevine, so it's not firsthand experience. But I do know uh, that in 1960, uh, there was a church in North Carolina that had just begun. Um, they, they had just started their church. They decided, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to do, um, we're going we're gonna to put together a community. We're going to hang out together, the, the community where we're at. We need, we need some place where we can serve and, and do, do life together. And so they got together, and this church, um, they, put, they, they met in a barn um, to start with, and they didn't have any money. And so the, one of the first things that they did was uh, on the back wall of this barn, they had one of, the, one of the ladies in the church who was, who was a little creative. They wrote the words to the Lord's Prayer, and they wrote the words to the Apostles' Creed on the back part of the church. Um, and it was on the back of the barn wall. Um, and this is the way it would work. It was when it would come time uh, for them to, to say the, either the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer, everybody in the congregation would stand up. They would turn around and face the back of the church, and they would read off of the back wall. Um, well, and by the mid-1970s, this church had grown and had, uh, had ac- accumulated some resources. They had gotten hymnals and um, had some stuff where they could have that stuff printed in front of them. And, uh, but the, 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 the tradition of standing and facing the back of the church never changed, even though the stuff was in the pu- In fact, they'd painted over the, the Apostles' Creed and, and the, the Lord's Prayer on the back wall. Um, and finally, in 1978, they hired a youth, uh, a youth pastor who came in, and uh, one Sunday morning, that youth pastor was preaching, and he stood up, and, and they said, let's recite the, Apostle, the Apostles' Creed, and everybody stood up and faced the back of the wall, and the youth pastor was like, what is everybody, what just happened? That youth pastor um, got so upset about what was going on, he, that, that church split, um, because they couldn't decide whether it was a good idea to read the Apostles' Creed out of the book that was there or face the back of the church. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning. And so I don't want you to stand and face the back of the church, but we're going to stand together and on the screens, we're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You guys can be seated. Okay, so last week, Bob 
talked a little bit about that phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, And he talked about what that looked like and why that's such a big deal. Why the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. Why the Holy Spirit is at work in us and what he is doing inside of us. And so um, he set a table for what's coming next. Um, We have spent uh, the last few weeks talking all about who God is. We've, um, so we've talked about who God the Father is. We've talked about who God the Son is, um, Jesus. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that those things, even though I don't quite understand how the Trinity works, and for those of you who uh, may not know that word, the Trinity, it's, it's simply the three parts that make up our one God. The God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit I don't exactly understand how those things work together. It is a little bit of a divine mystery, but I know that it's true. And so the, the, this time that we've spent has all been setting up who is God? Who is this God that we serve? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And now we're about ready to walk into a place where we're going to spend some time talking about Okay, so here's this awesome God, this God who died for us on the cross, who, um, who created everything, who lives and is dwelling inside of us. And now we're going to talk a little bit about his creation and what that looks like and why it's a big deal and why it's a big deal that our church, our holy Catholic church should be together. Okay, so we're going to start off in this place. Um, The word Catholic. Some of you guys, I know as we read through this thing, there are a group of you that are sitting in here and they're reading. They're like, I'm not Catholic. That's not, wait a minute. Are are we Catholic? Is that what we're doing? Um, And then there are a group of you folks who who might be sitting in here who have joined us from uh, like the Catholic tradition. You're like, I knew it. I knew it. This is, yes. I want you to know that this phrase in here is not designed to split us apart. It's not designed to split us apart. In fact, it's designed to do exactly the opposite. Okay, so if you'll put the Apostles' Creed back up there for me, Brandon, um, I would greatly appreciate it. So it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I want you to know, notice one thing. The word Catholic is not a pronoun. It is not a noun that is used. It is a lowercase word, and it is an adjective. Move on to that next slide just a little bit. Um, the word Catholic comes, it's, it has both a Greek and a Latin meaning, and they both mean the same thing. Um, the Latin meaning is from the church Latin Catholicus, which means universal or in general or church as a whole. Okay, And it also means um, from the Greek, it's Catholicos, uh, or from the phrase "kathulo," whatever that is, um, and in general means church on the whole. Um, and so, when we say the Holy Catholic Church, we are not referring to, um, if you'll move to the next slide, the Roman Catholic Church um, or Catholic, which is big C, which is a member of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, that was given, that term was given by Protestants to the Catholic Church in the 1500s. Um, the, the Catholic Church that is mentioned in, in 
the Apostles' Creed was actually uh, the earliest forms were written in like 13, uh, 314 A.D. Um, and it's, 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 it, it was written in Greek. Um, and so the word Catholic with the big C happened way later. And the word Catholic meaning together, us all together, is something that happened right at the very beginning when at just, just not too long after Christ died. And this is what the Apostles' Creed is talking about. It's talking about the church as a whole. Um, the church, anybody who believes the things that we've talked about prior to this in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Folks who believe in that are part of the Catholic Church, the church universal, Okay. Um, so that's the first thing. The second word um, that we're going to look at is the word communion, okay? Because um, we're also talking about the communion of saints. Um, the word communion means getting together, being together, spending time together. Um, there is this thing that we do, and we're actually going to participate th- in this after, at the end of this church service, communion, where Christ demonstrated for us what communion looks like. When he gathered his friends, the disciples, together in the upper room and said, hey, we are going to sit down and we are going to eat together. I am going to tell you that you are broken. And I'm going to give you a way to be reunited with me in a very physical and tangible way through this thing called communion, through this thing where we eat the bread and the blood or the bread and the wine or the blood and the, and the, and the body of Christ. Um, it is a beautiful thing. It is a, an amazing thing. And the communion of saints just doesn't refer to that meal, but it refers to the spirit, the atmosphere, the, that being together. The, the joining together, the being one in spirit. Um, and so communion is one of those phrases, one of those words that I want you to remember as we begin. Okay? So we've gotten to the place where we've talked about who God is, and now we're looking at his creation, at his church. And what is the purpose of the church? This is not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, what is the purpose of the church? Anybody have any ideas, thoughts? To bring people together and to get them in front of Christ. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. Other thoughts. What is the purpose of the church? Yeah, to, to get together, to understand where we're headed, to go there together. I like that. That's good. Other purposes of the church. What's the purpose? My reasoning for coming to church was to learn the spiritual principles that Jesus Christ lived by so that I could learn how to apply them outside of church. I learned how to live here, but I take it out there and apply it in my life. So church is a place where I can come and learn, take those things outside, apply them to my life, live them in front of other folks. Yes. Perfect. I like that. Any other thoughts? 
It's interesting, I want to point out, it's interesting to note that as we talk about church, when we tend to think about church, we tend to think about this building right here. Um, when people ask me, hey, where do, you go to spur- what, where, where do you go to church? The first thing that comes to my mind, and what I say out loud is, I go to Wellspring. Okay? But I want you to know that church, if the church is about people, and the church is about us being together, and the church is what God has created Um, Yes, God created this building, but this building is not his utmost creation, okay? In Genesis, it says that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit got together and they said, hey, we're going to create humanity in our image. We're going to get together. And they they made a whole bunch of other stuff, Um, you know, and I would include this building and probably that other stuff. They made animals. They made... Um, plants, they made um, the earth, um, they made water, all of that stuff. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit put together and they created. But they did something in that moment and they said, we're going to make the church image bearers. We're going to give people, humanity, this ability to look, to think, to reflect us. Okay? And so they created church in their image. And so church is not a place. When we get together here, this is a, a common gathering place that we get together. But this is not where the church resides. The church resides wherever we spend time together. Wherever we get together. And here, let me tell you what. Um, uh, when we... When God created the church, he had one, he had two really specific designs. He wanted this church, whenever people got together, to look and to go, hey, we, when, when people see us, when they see what's going on, with, when people who are followers of Christ, when they get together, um, that we should look like God. We should look like God. I'm not pretending that I look like God. In fact, I asked my son, who's filming back there, if there was a skinny button on his camera. I wish that I looked a little different, but together as a whole, we should look like God. We should look like the body of Christ. That is a big deal. We are image bearers together of God. I want to read, actually, I would love for you guys to follow with me uh, in in this passage of Scripture. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 or verses 12 through 27. And if you guys would, it's on uh, page uh, 1047 of the Bibles that are in your, that are in your pews there. And we're going to read just a little bit about what it is that we are supposed to look like when we're together. I'm going to start right, oh my gosh, I forgot my glasses and this Bible is tiny. Okay. Here's what it says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but it's all all many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we have all been given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head, the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. And the parts that are un, unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. And so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We're going to stop right there. We were designed to be together. Like we weren't designed to be separate. We were designed to, to be together with one another. Here's an interesting thing. When we look at the Holy Trinity and when we look at what's going on with God, he has made it so that his community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are of utmost value. That community, the three parts being together, is absolutely a huge deal. It is a huge deal that there are three parts and one God. God is basically communicating to us, hey, without community, this whole thing is worthless. I do not want to be alone. I do not want you to be alone. You are designed to be together. We live in a culture that says, hey, I really want you to focus on you. Um, I'm going to give you the ability to hole up in your house. I'm going to give you the ability to go and be by yourself, to be autonomous, to be away from everything and to be away from people and call it alone time or my time when you were not designed to be that way. We are designed to be together. You know, it's, it's always amazing to me when I, when I watch, um, I, I spend a lot of time watching my kids play sports. Um, and there's not one time that I've been sitting there looking and going, dang, I, look how amazing his toe is moving. That is amazing. Not one time have I said that. But I look often at my children when they're doing something go, look at how they move. Look at what they're doing. I am amazed at how all of those parts are working in coordination. And I think when folks who are walking and are not walking with Jesus when they see us and they see us moving so autonomously, autonomously it's like walking, it's like watching a, a, a teenager who hasn't quite gotten their legs yet. You know, they, they look and go, oh, how awkward, how weird. 
I don't know if I want to spend any time with that pe- person. You're just, we're just awkward when we don't function together. We were designed to be together, and community is a big deal. Why? Because God says, my community in the Trinity is a huge deal, and the church is something that I created to reflect me, to reflect me. And so um, it's, it's important that we start there. Now, I do have some other thoughts. Um, the church has some other purposes, not just to reflect God. And, and you guys mentioned those things. It's to make it so that people can see who Christ is, can see who God is, can enter into a relationship with, with our creator, with the God, the God of the universe. Um, and I would love to know, like I want to ask you guys, when have you felt like you were in a place where you just belonged, where you felt like you were loved and cared for? When are, when are some of those places, would you be willing to share a time in your life where you're just like, hey, I was in this place, I was with these people, and I just felt like I was supposed to be there, like I belonged. When are some of those times? High school theater. Yes. Yes. Talk about a place that's got a purpose. A purpose, that purpose is to put on a show. And you spend a lot of time with those folks. Yes, I love it. High school theater, that's wonderful. Other places where you've just felt, I belong. Young Life Camp. Young Life Camp, I've been there. I believe that. Yes. I would say Young Life Summer Staff, like work group. Young Life Summer Staff, folks who are serving behind the scenes at Young Life Camp. Purpose, Yes. Yes, when you're with other people that are going through what you're going through, when you're at camp and you're going through those things with other people. One more, other places where you've just felt like you belong. On the dance floor. On the dance floor. (laughs) I am glad you feel that because I do not belong there, no matter how good I feel about it. That's awesome. Devin, you have one more? Yes. Yeah. We be- yes, there are places where we see this happen where we're like, I just feel like I belong here. Like, I feel like I was built for this. Like, I was made to be here in this space. And the crazy part about it is, is that not all of those things are the same thing. It's like, there's just not one place where we go and we feel that way. There are lots of different places where I feel like we... Uh, where, there, where there are just that, there's that something that's going on. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that it's here. I know there are times when I feel that with my family, you know, where we're together and I'm just like, this is good. Life is good. I love this. Here's an interesting thing that I've noticed, and I'm going to use the story of Young Life Camp. Josh Davis um, uh, is, is a Young Life leader, and he spoke at one of our camp follow-ups here not too long ago. And, and what he was talking about, we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit and, um, you know, what that looks like to be, uh, to be over Jordan. He asked the question, why is camp such a big deal? Like, why is camp such this cool place? 
Why is it that I myself get to stand up in front of teenagers every year and go, I guarantee that it will be one of the best weeks of your life. And nobody has ever asked for their money back. Now is not the time to ask for your money back, by the way. If you've been to Young Life Camp and it wasn't, um, why is it that I can guarantee that this is going to be one of the best weeks of your life? And Josh said it so eloquently, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that we were at a Young Life Camp. It has everything to do with, with the people there. It has everything to do with the fact that there are 100 or maybe 150 people there that are serving that are there with one mind, and their goal is to be the body of Christ, to share with, with the folks that, that the high school students or middle school students that we've brought to camp, their goal is to share this beautiful message of who God is. And so consequently, camp every year is a place where I'm just like, man, I belong here. This is amazing. We were designed to be that way for people around us. For every, for like when we get together, there should be something that's going on that's far more attractive than anything, any other festival, anything else that's going on in our city. On Sunday morning, when we, when we gather together or other churches are gathered together or when we get together with other, other believers, it should be this thing where people look and go, huh, that's interesting. I want to be with those people. How do I spend time with those folks? There's a passage of Scripture, if you would like to, to join me, it's, it's in Mark, um, and it's verses, uh, uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. It's on 923 in, your, in, your, in the Pew Bible there. And here's what it says. The title of this is called The Greatest Commandment, and this is Jesus talking, so Jesus is actually having an interaction with one of the teachers of the law. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, and he noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked Jesus, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says this amazing thing. He said, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see... When we get together, when we're the body of Christ and we're the church and, we, and, and we're where it's happening, the Holy Spirit is not just at work in me. He is at work in all of us. And I, I, always, I always think about this as like, okay, so if, 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 I'm, if I'm a personal dispenser, like whenever I go somewhere, the Holy Spirit goes with me, I am sort of like, hey, the little squirt gun that you buy at five and dime, you know? Um, so I'm a dispenser. Of when, when God says, hey, I want you to pour out some, some, some grace and some love to folks, here's what you're going to do. You're going to squirt that thing. So I'm just squirting my little, my little trigger, you know, the little squirt gun, little five and dime. When we get together as church, it's like a fire hose, okay? We are all together, and he is opening up, opening up, and I don't know if, are there any firemen in here or firewomen? Um, 
it is a big deal when they turn on. There's so much pressure and so much, so much water that comes out. I, we, we actually do this deal where we have um, students um, get messy, and then we, we, we hose them off. The fire department comes and hoses them off. And it is, it is an absolute, I, hundreds of people can get clean with a fire hose. Uh, and hopefully they're all alive at the end. But like a fire hose is a huge dispenser of, of, of liquid. And so consequently, us as a church, we should be a huge dispenser of God's grace and mercy to folks that are around us. And, and there should be no doubt when we get together that that is happening. Like, it, God can do amazing stuff. Unfortunately, I think we have some folks often in our church who are periodically sneaking back to the water hose and turning the water off or trying to stop it up or trying to create division and make it so that the, the, the hose doesn't dispense like it should. I love this right here. I don't know if you've noticed, but right here, this thing has those two commandments on it. Love God, love your neighbor. It's right in front of us every Sunday when we come to church. Love God, love your neighbor. It is a beautiful thing. We are the dispenser. We are the avenue, the conduit that God has chosen to use to say, hey, I love you. I care about you. I want to be with you. Will you come and be with me? And that is what we are as a church. The last thing that I want to share with you guys is, unfortunately, and maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately, but there is stuff that happens in our church that, that makes that complicated. When you get a group of people together like this, it, we have personalities. God has given us different gifts and talents. You know, if you look at, I, I sort of look at that analogy that, or that thing that um, was written in Scripture in Corinthians, and, you know, you talk about the toe and the nose. Like, there are times when the toe does not smell good to the nose. We are stinky to one another. You all are annoying. <laughs> I am annoying. That is an unfortunate part about our brokenness. It is an unfortunate part about what's going on in our church and in our churches and us together. But I want you to know that our attractiveness and our ability um, to be interesting to folks who are not following Christ doesn't have anything to do with us trying to perfect our relationships, with us trying to um, to make each other the best or make each other do it right. Our interesting, our, like our attractiveness doesn't have anything to do with that. Our attractiveness has everything to do with the fact that God is using a broken and full of holes hose. <laughs> that we are broken and God is still choosing to use us and it is attractive and it is compelling. Um, you know, there's so many times that I've seen folks in our churches we've, we've gotten together. And, and in fact, I've been a part of this myself where I've watched somebody else do something that's bothered me, made me upset, made me angry, um, made me uh, question who they are as a person. Um, and because of that, because of what's gone on, those, that relationship that I have with that other person 
gets divided. Because I, I, I don't know how many of you guys study the Enneagram. I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which means I'm a peacemaker. And uh, I would rather avoid the conversation than jump full-heartedly into a conversation where I'm having, where I'm having conflict with someone. But that division is a, is a big deal. It's not wrong, but it is a big deal. I want to share with you um, uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis um, that I find absolutely amazing. Here's what it says. As a Christian, I am very much aware that our divisions grieve the Holy Spirit and hold back the work of Christ. As a logician, I realize that when two churches affirm opposing views, these cannot be reconciled. But because I was an unbeliever for a long time, I perceive something which perhaps those brought up in the church do not see. Even when I feared and detested Christianity, I was struck, struck by its essential unity, which, in spite of its divisions, it never lost. I trembled on recognizing the same unmistakable aroma coming from the writings of Dante, Bunyan, Thomas Aquinas, and William Law. I want you to know that that list of names right there at the end are all like, they are all like big thinkers, theological thinkers. If you've ever read any of them, you will look and go, like, I can there's some of those books where I can only read a couple of pages at a time because if I read more than one, I'm like, holy cow, that was just so much. And these theologians, these guys here at the end were struggling, they were debating, they were, they were divided about some things in the church. But C.S. Lewis says, I am still in awe of the essential unity of the church that when the body of Christ, when the people of Christ get together, they are not defined by the divisions, but by who they follow. They are defined by the fact that they're followers of Christ. And I think that is a big deal. That when we get together, we should not be defined by our divisions, but defined by who it is that we follow. That we are followers of Christ Conflicts um, are, are, are going to happen in church. And in fact, um, when our friends who are not following Christ see us work through and, and, and begin to understand one another in humility and vulnerability, it's probably the most compelling thing that I think that we can participate in as the body of Christ. When they watch us work through those things, when they watch us see a division and, and, and conflict and work on those things together. I want you to know, I'm going to, uh, in, in about a minute, I'm going to take you through Conflict Management 101, okay, because I think it's important, um, and I see this happen all the time. If you have a conflict with somebody else in this church, you need to go to that person. You need to go talk with that person one-on-one. -on -one. Before you go, you need to pray. You need to sit down and go, is this worth conflicting over? And if it is, you need to go talk with that person one-on-one. -on -one. Don't go find five friends to be on your side. Don't go gain armor. You need to go talk with those folks. Sit down one-on-one. -on -one. I'm okay with you guys talking over things on the phone, but let me tell you what, 90% of language is nonverbal. 
And so to be able to sit in, some, in front of somebody and look them in the eye and to see them as you say, hey, this is the story that I'm telling myself about what you said or about what you did, and to look at them and, and see, see what's happening is, is a big deal. So sit down with folks one-on-one. Get together in humility and go, hey, is there a way that we can resolve this, that we can be together, that we can understand one another? Maybe that person needs to ask for your forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask for that other person's forgiveness. But to do that is a huge deal, and we don't do that anymore. We don't spend any time having those conversations. In fact, we often take them to Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and we, and we air it out in front of public. We need to sit down and have those conversations. If the two of you, when you're together, can't figure it out, can't figure out how to get together, you know what? There are tons of wise people in this church. I would say call Bob first. He might be the person to, to ask first. But if you guys are in conflict with one another and you just can't get it resolved, somebody else can sit in with you guys and help mediate those conversations and help make sure that the, the conversation moves smoothly. And then if you guys just can't, can't get along, if we can't get along, God says in the New Testament, there is a place for the church to say, hey, maybe it's better for one of you to go and be with a different congregation or a different group of folks. But the goal is, I think God is saying, if you do these things up front, I almost guarantee you that it won't make it to the end. If you have a heart like mine, if you are genuinely desiring to be reflective of who I am, you won't make it to that last part. Because the desire is for us to be unified and to be together. I have a couple of things that I want to share with you to close. And the first one is this. Um, I want to show this picture that's happening up here. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a big city. Periodically, there are artists who are out doing, um, they're doing chalk, uh, chalk paintings on, on the sidewalk. And this is one, um, I believe this is in Toronto. I could be wrong. Um, but this artist, this guy who is uh, right here, actually, I'm not even sure if that's a real person. It may be somebody's drawn on the sidewalk. But this is an illusion, like, it is an absolutely amazing piece of art, artwork, and it looks, it looks wonderful. Like, can you imagine walking down that sidewalk? And if you had this perspective, oh my gosh, I don't want to fall into the hole where the fish is coming out. Um, but it's an illusion. It's a beautiful piece of art, but it's an illusion. And I want to ask you guys the question, are we just really good artists and are putting on this illusion that we are together, that we are the body of Christ, that we're the avenue that God is using to dispense grace? Or are we really the real deal? Are we really engaged in that process and, and working out, you being useful to God? Are we really engaged in that, or are we just an illusion? I want to compliment and challenge this church, this church body, because I don't feel like we're an illusion. I do see people going, hey, what's happening 
at Wellspring? What's going on? I, I want to know what's going on. Can I come? I hear that. Like, that's a big deal. I hear that. But I also want to encourage us, the longer that we are together, the more annoying we get to one another. And the more work it is. But it is worth it. It is worth it because we want to be useful to the Creator, the God that we serve. Are we together? Are we working at that? Or are we just an illusion? And I want to I challenge you guys with two things. I want to ask you this. How are you actively engaging in the communion of saints? Are you, are you actively engaging in the communion of saints? Are you meeting with small groups? Are you meeting with other uh, men and women who are your own age, older than you or younger than you? Are you spending any time reading scripture? How are you engaged in the communion of saints? And if you aren't, can you make a plan to be engaged? What would that look like in the next week, the next month, the next two or three months? And the second one is this. Who in this place, who do you need to reconcile with? Who is it that you need to come to and say, hey, I know that us being together and us working through our division is going to be amazing for other people to watch. Can we do that? Who do you need to reconcile with? We are going to participate in this thing called communion. And I do believe it is more than just a symbol. It is more than just a symbol of of us being together and of Christ offering himself. I believe that there's something that's absolutely amazing that happens during this time. And we're going to participate in this together. And, and so I'm, I'm going to pray for us during that time. Um, I'd love for you to ask those two questions. Am I engaged? And who is it that I need to reconcile with? And then... Um, the worship band is going to come forward and they're going, to, they're going to lead us and close us out. But please, don't, tra- don't take this lightly. This is life together. This is what God intended. So let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for how you work in our lives. Thank you that you did not call us to do this by ourselves.